Then I want to talk to you about the subject today of authority. So I think, let's see. I'm thinking Matthew didn't write that down. Matthew 28, let's start in Matthew 28 and then we'll go to Matthew, I think 21. Now it's Matthew 20. Where they ask Jesus about his authority. Oh, it's not there. Oh, it's 21. I was wrong and right and wrong again and then right. Matthew 28 first. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they saw them, uh, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then when the 11 disciples went to Galilee, the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Well, it seems like you can worship him and doubt. And it was one of the 11, uh, it was some of the 11. I mean, that, it says that the 11 disciples went to Galilee, the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw, that, saw him, they worshiped him, worshiped him, but some doubted. Strange, I mean, they're seeing him post-resurrection. They're seeing Jesus. They're worshiping him. And then they still doubt. No one, it's strange that uh, there's a lot of things happening around the world on a side note, it's, it seems that in Christianity around the world, things are not well. Especially of those churches that chose to really be in the spotlight. I think it's good to be in the spotlight if you're there for what we've got put you there and for the right reason. But if you really do that to get there and you use it, and I think it's a dangerous place, but a lot of churches are having a lot of failures and people are upset with that and they have inquiries and uh, Christians are suing one another in pursuit of truth and how could you as a pastor or as a church member or whatever just make so many mistakes. I, the church is the only place where sinners can go. Where else should you go? So you either deny that you are a sinner or you accept that you're a sinner in need of a savior and therefore you go to a church. And if people therefore come to a church because they're imperfect, it implies that the church won't be perfect. We don't expect the church to be filled with self-righteous people. When I say self-righteous, it doesn't mean you have an air around you. Uh, self-righteous means that you're trying to be righteous by yourself. Uh, the church is not filled with people that has the capacity to be holy by themselves. You're holy because of Jesus Christ. And, and, and you are made righteous because of Jesus Christ. It is therefore you as a person acknowledging that you are a mess and that you need Jesus. The church is not a place for people that are perfect. It is a place for people that have issues. And a lot of people in this room has issues. And then we leave this place when we get upset with the people that have issues. We leave with our issue. Do you know people that don't go to church because they've been hurt in church? So now you have people that went to a church because there are people with issues. They got hurt in church. Now they're leaving church with issues. So they are also now people with issues. That's, that's not helpful. 
What do you expect? You have to, this is where iron sharpens iron and this is where healing takes place. This is where you need to grow up. It's the church is filled with people that have issues. Every person in this room, you have to sort of say your own name in the sentence. You have issues, man. But we'll be fasting for you. Everybody has issues. No one is perfect. And if the 11 disciples, if the 11 disciples saw Jesus post-resurrection resurrection and still doubted for a moment, don't think that you're going to just make it out of that thing with any doubt in your life. You're just going to be the supermodel Christian. You are not going to be. You're going to, you're going to quickly find out that you can't really stand on your own. I heard a beautiful thing. I'll, I'll probably preach about it sometime in the next year. Uh, that, um, who's that author that wrote Narnia? C.S. Lewis. That's the quickest way I could get to his name. I think he said something about, you don't know the strength of the wind when you lie down. You know the strength of the wind when you stand up and try and face it. This is the same with temptation. You don't know how to resist until you resist it. And most people never resist it, they give into it. And when you give into it, you don't know the real strength of it. And you only realize the strength of it when you've resisted longer than a minute. And this is the difficulty with life, that you can't resist temptation by yourself. You need Jesus. You can't resist anything without Jesus. You need him. He is center to who you are as a Christian. So that was completely not necessary for any introduction, but it just caught my eyes at some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said to them, all authority in heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Who has all authority? Jesus. Then he says, based, he makes that statement so that he can say from that statement, the following statement is an authority statement. I'm not saying this because it sounds like a good plan. I'm not saying this because I have certain endorsement for this. He says, I say this with all authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Put that verse up there, verse 28, uh, uh, chapter 28, verse uh, 19. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the great commission. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Then he says, therefore, go therefore. Why for? Therefore. <laughs> because he has all authority. He makes this blanket statement about who he is and what authority he is saying this from. He says, with this authority, he is commissioning you. So when you do what do you have authority? You are authorized by the one who has the authority to authorize you. You, have the, you are authorized to do what? We see many people try and do things for which they are not authorized. Now every Christian in this room has been authorized by God. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So the, the, the delegated authority that Jesus gives you to do what you're doing is connected to this thing. So anytime you are doing anything 
in the kingdom of God that I think you cannot trace back to this, I think you're doing it outside of the authority mandate. The authority mandate is connected to this goal of making disciples. You are not left on the earth to see what name you can build for yourself. You're not left on the earth to see how successful you can be in school or university. We are, we are left here so that the gospel can be preached to the ends of the earth. We, Jesus has left the church on the earth for the church to mature and to grow up and to become the bride of Christ, holy, without blemish, without spot. And until that is done, we labor. That labor is making disciples. So anytime the church is doing anything besides making disciples, I think it's, it's deviating for the original authorized intent of the church's existence. We are to make disciples. Now from that, there are many things that we could be doing. When we are singing songs, it is connected to making disciples because a disciple is a person that follows Jesus. A disciple is a person that worships Jesus. Singing songs is about worshiping Jesus. It is part of the discipline of a disciple to know how to worship God. When we are teaching on finances, it is part of making a disciple because a disciple needs to know that his finances is submitted to Christ. Does that make sense? So everything should be questioned. When we know where we are going, you can question a decision. When we appoint a pastor in ministry, the, 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 you can question why, but if the answer is that helps us make more disciples, that's a good answer. If it's merely because he's paying tithe to the church and he wants to be a pastor, that's not a good answer. So, so Jesus gives them authority to go out. He says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Teach them to obey. So when the church is teaching you to obey, it's not trying to be your boss, but it's trying to be your boss. Because it's telling us this is the authority we have. And so when you don't like it, when, when the appointed leaders in your spiritual life, let me say it this way because people don't like to hear this language. You're not your own boss. Everybody has, the Bible says that you have uh, submit unto your leadership because they give account for your soul. Those who have authority over you. We are not all equal. They're, everybody should have someone in front of you. You're a human being, but so is your child. If you're a parent, but the parent is the parent of the child. Both are human. Both have the same value before God. Both are growing, growing up and becoming something with their lives. But you have a, a responsibility to submit to your parents. Honor your father and your mother. I told my children this, this oh, during the holidays. The Bible doesn't say uh, parents honor your children. It says children honor your parents. You, you have leadership over your life. And if they speak into your life, it's not called church abuse. It's them fulfilling the mandate that they have authority for. And so when you run a red light and a police officer says to you, stop and you don't stop, you're breaking the law. So as Christians, when you feel empowered because the world is saying, be your own person, don't submit to anybody, you are all equal and you don't submit to the leadership that God has positioned over your life, you're violating scripture. But here's what I wanted to want to get for, here's a blanket statement. 
We like the miracles of God. We like the power of God that fixes our problems. We just don't like God having authority over our lives. Because if God has the authority, He can appoint people with that authority to have authority. And we don't like to submit to that authority. We want their miracles without submission. And it's not the person doing the miracles. It is, it is the Holy Spirit through the person, but He works miracles through people. It is still the shadow of, of Paul and Peter and those guys, a blanket, a, 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 an apron from Paul's body that touched sick people and they got healed. It's still God doing a miracle through them. We don't like that. We want to have God do miracles in our lives, but we don't like to listen. We don't like to submit. We don't like to be corrected. The moment we get corrected, we leave because we don't like that. This is not how authority and power works. Jesus says, I have been given all authority and now I authorize you to go and make disciples. And we don't stop at making disciples. It says, make disciples and teach them to obey. To obey everything that I have taught you. Yes. Make sense? Now jump with me to Matthew 21. In verses 23, now when Jesus, when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, Jesus is sitting there in the temple. And when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? Uh, this is still in Matthew. Remember, we, we are reading Matthew backwards now in a sense. We start in the 28. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You go and make disciples and teach them, baptize them and teach them to obey. Now, before that in 21, the apost the, 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 Jesus is in the temple teaching and the Pharisees is approaching him and says to him, uh, temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him and said to him as he was teaching, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? By what authority and where did you get it? So when Jesus sends you out, he says, I have received this authority and I'm giving it to you. Jesus prior to that in 21 was merely teaching and the, the elders says to him, by what authority are you doing this? What? What is he doing? He's teaching. He is doing something that they think that their robes and their positions and titles entitle them to. Jesus. He's sitting there teaching. They're saying to him, by what authority are you doing this? And where did you get this authority? By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said, and said unto them, I will ask you one thing yourself. Which of you tell me? Now Jesus responds with a question. He says, I will ask you one thing. Which of you tell me? I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. So he's saying, you can't know by what authority I do this because there are things that you don't understand here. So he is appealing to their reasoning abilities. is questioning in a sense also their motives. Because if you don't know this, you can't understand this. So I want to submit to you that many people that have a problem with the church and with you being used by God and believing what you believe and the, 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 the frequency 
with which you do your Christianity. It's good if you do Christianity once a month. You go to church every now and then and not talk about it. But they don't like it when you're committed to this as a lifestyle. Now Jesus says to them, I'll ask you a question, then I'll answer your question. So you want to know by whose authority I do this. The, the reason you don't know the answer to this is because you don't know the answer to this. So if you knew this, this would have been easy. He says to them, when, when John the Baptist, let me read it to you so don't botch this. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or from men? Remember later on he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So he is saying to them, the baptism, is it from heaven or from men? They responded among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why did you not believe him? Which is a fair question. But if we say from men, we fear the multitude from all count John as a prophet. Jesus even says that John is a prophet. Just a side note. Jesus says John is the greatest prophet of all the prophets in the Old Testament. John is greater than all of them. And in the kingdom of God, he is the least. He is the least in the kingdom of God. John is the least of all the prophets in the kingdom of God. Not the prophets, but the least in the kingdom of God. The greatest of all the prophets of the Old Testament. What makes that distinction? The Holy Spirit. So you having the Holy Spirit puts you at a different league if you are in the kingdom of God. That's an amazing thing. It's, our, it's the favor of God in our lives. It's, we live in a dispensation of grace. We've been, we live in a time when, the, when Jesus Christ has already been revealed, the cross has been done, your sins has been paid for, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out. It's an amazing, amazing thing. If they say it is from heaven, Jesus would say to them, why did you not believe him? If you say it's from, uh, uh, from the earth, people will be upset with them because they hold John as a prophet. So now they respond and say, we don't know. Now, if they don't know if John is from heaven or from the earth, what does it matter to them with what authority Jesus is? So their inability to commit to a conviction is robbing them of the revelation of what authority Jesus is speaking on. If you want to take this and just play with it, extrapolate a little bit. I want to say to you, sometimes in life, because you have one foot in the church and one foot in the world, you're not getting the revelation of what Jesus can do in your life. Because while you are divided, you are robbing yourself of the illumination of who Jesus Christ really is. You can't get... You, you don't know what marriage really is until you leave the girlfriends and commit to one. It is the same with Jesus Christ. While you are trying to please everybody and have everybody's recognition and have Jesus say, I'm well pleased with you, you can't have the revelation that Jesus, he's, he, he can't answer. He says, I'm, therefore, I will not give you an answer to. Because you did not answer, I will not answer you. Because they couldn't commit to any one of them. Because both of them, they are calculating. If I say this, or if I say this, this will happen. They're not saying regardless of what will happen, this is my position. And in Christianity, Jesus says, if you deny me in front of your people, I will deny you in front of the Father. Jesus says, if you deny me, I will deny you. There is no way around it. You will be denied by God if you deny. So you can't please everybody and please Jesus. So let's backtrack a little bit more. Let's go 
to Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew chapter number 10. Sending out of the 12. Then these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, Do not go into the way of the Galilee Gentiles and do not enter the city of Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs. For a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or uh, town you enter, inquire uh, who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go out of the household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house, shake off the dust from your feet. Surely I say to you, it will be more tolerable in the land of Sodom. It's saying that who rejects you rejects God. When do they, so to qualify that, you are not rejected by people if you're not in the will of God. So when you are going about the great commission to make disciples, you are functioning with authority under authority. When you're doing that, and they're rejecting you, they're rejecting the message that you bring. Because it won't be your message, because the purpose of your message is to make disciples. If you are rejected because the purpose of your message is to build your empire, they're not rejecting God, they're rejecting you. There's a great difference between the two. But when you, when I don't stop, when a police officer pulls me over, I'm not rejecting the police officer. I'm rejecting the state that authorizes him. Does that make sense? When you have problems with the church structure that you did not put in place, nor were called to put in place, and, and, and I'm not saying all churches are created equal. There are bad churches, guaranteed. And we might not be on the top of the charts. We might be some intermediate. We like a C-class student maybe. Good with me. We're trying our very best. But when you begin to reject that, be careful that if that church is about the Great Commission, you're rejecting not the police officer. When you think you're rejecting a pastor and a church, you might be rejecting God. If they're in the will of God. I'd rather err on being obedient to scripture than err and make a judgment call that's not right because I don't fancy the pastor. Make sense? Jesus is sending the trouble. The point is he sends them out. Now if you read Luke 9 and 10, we've got five minutes left. Let's go to Luke chapter number 9 and 10. Luke 9 has the same story in it. It says, sending out the 12. Then he called his 12 disciples together, gave them a power and authority. He gave them power and authority over all demons. Power and authority is not the same thing. You can be authorized, but not yet have the power. He said, I'm sending you out. That's the authority. He says, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power. You have the authority and the power. You need the Holy Spirit to be empowered to do what God has authorized you to do. Demons to cure the disease. He says, gave them power and authority over all demons to cure the disease. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he said to them, take nothing for the journey. And so they go out, they come back, the 12 disciples. Turn to, to chapter number 10. Now he sends out 70 more. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. And he sent them out two by two before his face into every city 
and place where he himself was about to go. He sent the 70 out two by two to every place that he was about to go. So in other words, he tells them where to go and he sends them out. Then he said to them, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go, he's talking now about the harvest. Go and make disciples. Disciples is the harvest. To make disciples is the purpose of the church. Make disciples your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. He's not saying, because in the other scriptures he says, uh, the righteous are as bold as lions. He says, Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah in Revelations. He says, we, Jesus doesn't, call, uh, doesn't uh, consider, uh, consider it a problem to call you brothers and sisters. You, you are his brothers and sisters and he is a lion. What does it make you? He says, I send you out as lambs. He's not saying you are a lamb. You are considered lions. And you should have a roar of a lion because the lion out of the tribe of Judah is Jesus the Christ. The first time he came, he's sending you out as a lamb. A lamb means innocent. A lamb means humble. A lamb means vulnerable. A lamb means defenseless in a sense in the task that he goes. He sends you out as wolves. Wolves and lambs, there's a very clear distinction between the two. He's not sending out wolves to wolves. We don't do what we do like the world does what it does. We do what we do in a different way. He says, I'm sending you out as lambs. Put the scripture up. Let's read it together. New King James Version. Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. Carry neither mother bag, knapsack, nor sandals, nor greet no one along the road. He's saying to you um, that he is your provision. If you are under the authority of God, sent out with authority, He'll take care of what you need along the road. When you are doing, I, I, I want to say, say, my pastor taught me, he says, if it's your plan, you pay. But if it's God's plan, he'll pay. I want to say to you, sometimes God is not paying because it's not his plan. Because Jesus says to them, go out and take nothing with you. Meaning that I'll be your provision. When you don't see Jesus providing, maybe you're going without being sent. Because this building is still standing, we can question, is it God that's standing? I think it's God. It's clearly evident, paid off in full, that it must be God. That's an amazing thing. He paid for it. I think it comes from His hand. That's a sign. It's not the only sign, but it's one of the signs. It says, carry neither many bag, knapsack, sandals, nor greet no one along the road. But wherever house you enter first, say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating or drinking such as that they give you. Such things as they give you. For the laborer is worthy. You should read that again. The laborer is worthy of his wages. That's a scale sentence. Leave it up there. Sometimes you can't get a raise because you judged someone else. Every time you say that person is spending too much, you're projecting into your future that God has to cap your spending. 
Because the grace you extend is the grace you have. And while you're a teenager, you don't know what it costs to raise children. And just because your small mind doesn't comprehend the capacity to do big things, you are now placing that limitation on that person. The only limitation that is being received is on your own life. Because the scale that you use will be measured back unto you. Never judge what other people are doing. Keep your eyes on your own race. And remain in the same house, eating, drinking, such things as they give you. A labor is worthy of his ways. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter and receive you, eat such things as they are set before you. And heal the sick there. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter, they do not receive you. Go out into the streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near to you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in the day of Sodom for that city. Woe to you, uh, he goes on through that whole thing. Next verse. Next verse. Next verse. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you. Rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. It's an amazing thing. Next verse. Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons. But wait a minute. He only, he, the twelve he sent out, he says, I give you authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. To the seventy he said, go out and heal the sick. He never told them to cast out demons. He never told them to cast out demons. There are levels of delegated authority. He told the twelve, cast out demons, raise the dead, heal the sick. To the seven he said, out, go out and heal the sick. But watch what happens when you're obedient to God. Increase, I think, comes. One deduction. Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In other words, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The authority I have, I give you to go out. The with my authority that I have, I commission you to go out Make disciples under this authority. I'm telling you, this is what you'll be able to do. There's no wonder that happens because under my authority and all authority in heaven and earth, this is what happened. That is the natural result of you functioning within your created reality for which you were created to do. All authority to trample on serpents. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He said, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. That's the condition of your heart, the posture of your life, to be humble. A wolf doesn't back chat. Uh, uh, yeah, a wolf does, uh, a sheep, a little lamb. And a lamb is less than a sheep. It's small still. It's even more vulnerable. A lamb hasn't even calculated yet the, the problems and the difficulties. A lamb doesn't even know, a, a lamb doesn't even know that a wolf is a problem yet. A lamb has not even survived the slaughter of his family yet. He says, I send you out as lambs amongst wolves. He says, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. When, when you are under the umbrella of God's will, you're protected. When you are doing what God called you to do, you are protected. You and yours are protected when you're doing what God called you to do. He says, by no means hurt you, I give you this authority. 
Next verse. Nevertheless, he says, don't rejoice in this, that spirits are subject to you. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Have you noticed that he calls them the 70? We know the 12's names. Do you know the names of the 70? Here's a river. I'll close, I'll close with this. I'll try and close with this. Watch, watch. Watch now. We know the 12 disciples' names. We don't know the names of the 70. Did he mention them? What could the 70 not do that the disciples could do? Nothing. The disciples also cast out demons, healed the sick. The 70 cast out demons. Demons even listened to us, healed the sick. They did the same thing. They were sent out two by two. We don't know their names. He says, don't rejoice. We don't know their names. Don't rejoice because demons obey you. But rejoice because your names are written. In heaven. Where is your name important? Heaven. You're not under the authority of God when you're worried about your name on the earth. Your name is not known by men, but it's known by God. Some people prefer that God doesn't know, but men know. He sent them out 70 by 70, gave them authority. You should be happy that you have authority. Not, not that people can see what you do, but that your name is known by God. Your name is written in the book of life. You don't do this to be seen by men. You do this to be seen by God. Your name written in the book of life is what you should be rejoicing about. You should go home today and say, I might not have it all sorted out. I might not be perfect as a person. I might have flaws. I might have anger issues. I might have issues with taxis driving over red lights. I might not have it all figured out. But I know that my name is written in the book of life. And when all is said and done, that's the book that counts. Not the Facebook, but the heavenly book. That's the book that should have your name on it. That's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Where were we? Did I finish everything I wanted to say? Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has not come near you. Uh, yeah. That's it. I'll stop there. We are not building. We're not building for us. We're building for him. We are laboring in the fields that God gives, gives us into our stewardship. We have ownership because of our stewardship. We are, we are, we are heirs and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We run this as if it's ours. I don't have to have my name on a banner to know that I have responsibility. My name's written in the book of life that gives me responsibility. When I'm not seen by men, I'm seen by God. And it is in fact God that does the work through us. Men can give you no power. It comes from God. We stay amongst men because that's where God positions us. I don't show up today because I feel like it. I show up because God called me to this job and I'm responsible and mature enough to show up. This is where Jesus wants us. Heads of our houses, 
men to act like men and wives to act like wives. You're not led by the culture. The Word of God is not being rewritten. Men are supposed to be providers in the house. And if you're struggling with that, pray. Get in the will of God and trust Him that He positions your house and authority structures correctly. If you're upset with that, I read from the Scriptures, you can't understand this because you don't understand that. So, do you, I'll do me. Do you know that, that you influence how you, your wife looks? If she looks like a train wreck, husbands, you're responsible. That's a different sermon. Let's close now. Just because we don't have an evening service. Oh. Let's pray. Father, I pray. That you would come in this place and help us recognize what you've called us to. A spirit of criticism is not a heavenly, godly, Holy Spirit gift. You're not called to criticism. We are called to serve. We are called to serve. We are called to carry one another. We're here to pick up one another, to encourage one another, pray for one another, love one another. This is the heavenly command. I pray come and help this church that as we get ready to enter 2024, we can do it with a correct heart and a right posture. A posture of humility and an attitude of service. It says, God, here I am, use me. Here I am, here is my hands, here is my feet, here is my mind, use it. And let lives change because they have an encounter with me and I know you, in Jesus' name, amen.